Welcome back to the Architecture Firm Marketing Podcast, a show where I speak to architects who have found success in their business, marketing, and communications, as well as consultants and experts who will share their unique tips and strategies to help you attract your ideal clients. I'm your host, Dave Sharp, marketing consultant for architects, and if you'd benefit from professional advice and guidance on your marketing, you can head to vanityprojects.com to check out my coaching services and book in a free 30-minute consultation to discuss your situation. This episode was sponsored by ArchiPro. ArchiPro showcases the best and latest in the architecture and building industry and helps to connect homeowners with trusted trade professionals and products that will suit their needs. For architects and designers, ArchiPro helps you to create a profile for your practice in a way that best expresses your brand and your work, and then it directly connects you with a niche audience of people on their architectural build or renovation journey. Many architects rely on word-of-mouth referrals or search engine traffic to find new clients, but it can be difficult to attract the people you really want to design for and work with. That's why ArchiPro helps clients to match their specific architectural taste and budget with the right architect or designer for their project. You can also use the platform throughout the design and build journey with your clients by directly sharing inspiration and sourcing products for your projects as well. So if you'd like to find out more about ArchiPro, visit www.archipro.com.au. Joining me on the show today is Jared Kettle and Jacob Williams from Cheer Squad Film Co., a video production company who many of you will know for their work with the Local Project YouTube channel, having shot popular project features with John Wardle Architects, YSG, Flax Studio, Room 11, and many more. In this episode, we discuss the advantages of interview-based film as a way to tell captivating architectural stories, and how video allows viewers to experience what a building truly feels like as light and weather conditions change throughout the day. We also looked at what happens behind the scenes when you're making a project feature film and what to expect as an architect if you're thinking about having a film made for one of your projects. We also discussed why film should be viewed as a long-term investment and the many ways you can use video as part of your marketing mix. And finally, we spoke about how architects can explore brand partnerships with suppliers, builders and consultants to help share the cost of video production. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jared and Jacob from Cheer Squad Film Co. Jared and Jacob, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, as always, it's probably best to start off with maybe a little bit of an overview of Cheer Squad and what you guys do and I guess how you kind of started getting into architectural filmmaking. Uh, Cheer Squad is essentially a, a full-service video production company. We've been... Uh, sort of making video for the better part of 15 years. We turned 10 actually Cheer Squad uh, at the end of April. So we've been at it for a little while. I guess the sort of elevator pitch is that we kind of, we help brands, agencies and individuals communicate through the moving image. So obviously as a video production company, we specialize in a lot of what we call people-led storytelling. Uh, and that's, I guess, using people to drive a narrative and, and help them achieve uh, an outcome basically through their video. In the last what, three and a half years, we've found ourselves in a bit of an architecture and design niche, which has been really fun. Did you guys have any sort of background in architectural photography or any, any, any sort of like prior experience working with architecture before, you know, you got your first kind of project or opportunity to go to a building and meet an architect and start making a film? Uh, we'd worked with some volume builder clients before, so we, we weren't, uh, I guess, completely foreign to the, the notion of shooting buildings or having buildings as characters. but when we shot our first proper architecture project, we that was our, our first time kind of dipping the toe. So uh, 
we, yeah, we wanted to just, I guess it was good in a way that we went in fresh, not knowing any tropes that already existed or, you know, any things that, you know, we didn't have any bad habits, I guess, uh, from having never shot architecture before. So it was an opportunity for us to just get, go in fresh, uh, with no constraints or preconceptions about how things should be shot and, and kind of do our own thing. And yeah, Jacob's a very talented cinematographer. I'm, I'm more of a producer, so I don't actually shoot very much anymore at all. I fly the drone and that's about it. But yeah, it was interesting to see his eye as a cinematographer go in, uh, to a building essentially and see how he would, would shoot it. And that's a big part of our uh, work and our look is, I guess, the way that you see things. Yeah. And, and Jacob, that sort of way of seeing things, I guess, going from that making films for, you know, home builders and stuff like that, or, or seeing, you know, in popular culture, film and TV about homes and architecture and stuff like that. There's a lot of ways that it was kind of done previously, but I feel like Cheer Squad, you guys coming into the space, you've really tried to elevate it to the level that maybe the architecture kind of deserves, like really bringing the sort of style up to that level. I'm just wondering maybe your thoughts on overall sort of different ways that buildings can be captured and filmed and, and what 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 do you sort of think adds that sort of sense of elevated or high quality that that, that you guys kind of bring to the videos that you make? Whatever you're shooting, you kind of like get your energy from the subject matter. Shooting like actual good architecture, you like give it the respect back that it deserves. So yeah, we, we go into houses and, you know, never been there before. And when, when we first see it, you're going to shoot it in a different style to suit that house or that building. I guess it's about like responding to the context of, of where this project is and, you know, what the light's doing you know, different, different materials, but even, uh, you know, with, with, you know, things like shooting a display home, I, I would say that we've, the way that we approach those now is different because we've shot a yeah. lot of architecture. I think for me, like things that elevate a production is, is time spent. So when you're not under a huge time crunch, when we've got the opportunity to shoot it in a multitude of different types of light. So early morning, afternoon into dusk, when we've got time to not have to sort of rush through a project. Uh, that can kind of help elevate production values, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the the nature of the beast is that you, in most most projects, you've only got a day to shoot it, and that means getting there as early as possible to get good light, and unfortunately, staying as late as possible to get the last of the light. So yeah, and and within that day time frame, it's just like literally making the most of like every second you've got and being opportunistic with how the light changes, whether uh, it's like, you know, sometimes if it's raining or pretty miserable weather, we'll just like lean into that, like, you know, get close-ups of raindrops, get like textural stuff like that. If it's a sunny day, then awesome. That's that's what I love the most because I like contrast. I know a lot of photographers prefer cloudy. I think it's just a photo versus video thing. But yeah, as in, the thing is, it's like, uh, we're, we're at the mercy of, of what the weather is doing and, and, uh, it means we've got to be flexible. I, I wish every day was sunny or, or golden, golden sun or that sort of thing and, and nice shadows. But unfortunately it's not like that. And it just means when we're on a shooting day, it's like, we're looking for things constantly, like if light changes, or if I'm looking for a spot where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good time-lapse spot. Yeah. Being, yeah. being opportunistic and, and flexible because ultimately we don't have any control. Yeah. And I like how you sort of say we're, we're committed to being there at dawn and going home at dusk. So you've got this huge expanse of time in the middle of the day where 
you're just a basic, you, you're kind of sitting there with a lot of time to think and sort of, I guess, like take in the building and try and look for those things that maybe you don't notice the first half hour you're there, but by hour six, hour seven, you know, you might be starting to pick up on some extra things that are coming up there. Yeah, 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 100%. And I think the reality is that often Jacob will sort of run around, spend the first half of the day shooting a project and the light will change or that afternoon sun yeah. will kind of break through the clouds if it's overcast and you rush through like a madman trying to reshoot everything again because it is different. But uh, it just gives you so many options in the edit. And yeah, I think to your point, like leaning into the commercial realities are is that often weather holds practical or, you know, so you have to kind of make do with the weather you've got on the day. But if it's a little bit rainy or whatever, leaning into that and not letting it, I guess, ruin a, a shoot uh, is really fun too. Like some of our videos that performed really well, it's been like pissing down rain, you know, yeah. all day. And, but it makes the, it gives the building potentially a sense of mood and it's not always a bad thing. You have to kind of roll with the punches and, you know, in that chunk of time, you're trying to shoot the building, you're trying to do interviews, you're trying to deal with potentially homeowners and their schedules and the kids coming home from school at 3 p.m. and, you know, all these kind of things. And I think what makes us good at what we do and what people appreciate is that we are pretty flexible. You know, we're, we're pretzels in the sense that we'll, we'll roll with the punches, we'll do what we need to do, but we're all also, you know, very committed to delivering the best finished product that we can and are quite uncompromising in pursuit of that sort of excellence. And that's, you know, more credit to Jacob, who literally runs around like a madman and works his guts out, just trying to capture a project in, in, in every angle. Yeah. Basically. And it, I speak to a lot of architects about what sort of dr attracting them to the idea of actually getting a video made about one of their projects. And what they, what they love about it, I think, is that is that sense that you do get that feeling of the changing light, the changing conditions, the rain, the, the, the variety of different ways that you can, ex that a home or an architect designed home can change th throughout the day, throughout the season, throughout the week. And it's not something that you ever get to see and or you don't get to feel that through still photography to the same extent where it's just this kind of hyper perfect moment in time. But what a lot of architects think is really missing is that the actual feeling and that experience of being in the space. So it's just interesting hearing about you kind of picking up on that because I think that is that I, I sort of think of that as being that sort of elevated or not elevated, but that sort of more emotional feeling you get watching some of your films and, and other films about architecture is that sense that things change. And so it's really, really interesting to hear that that's sort of almost a bit of a byproduct of the way you have to shoot in a day and be flexible and those are just what happens. Yeah, I think often photography, they're very considered frames, right? It's, it's, uh, and it's often uh, produced within an inch of its life. And not that it's not necessarily reflective of what the space actually feels like, but, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like video is, it's a little more honest or raw. It's harder to kind of, you can hide less, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done, we've, there's some shoots where we go there and everything's ready to go styled and there's other shoots, or not even styled, it's just, it's ready to go to shoot. And then other shoots where there's a stylist there, they've taken out the homeowner's furniture, they've put in photo shoot furniture and, and styling. And then sometimes the stylist are like, oh, are you going to shoot in this direction? Or the photographer just shot left of this frame and we put all the mess in this corner. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We, like, we need to shoot 360. As in every room, every space. I mean, within reason, we can we can find a trash room to hide all the uh, all all the uh, unwanted furniture. But but yeah, it is a lot more uh, realistic. And like photographers will jump from room to room to room, where we'll go back and forth as the light changes. Uh, and one of our biggest challenges on the day is either like clients who live in the house or the actual interviewees or architects. It's like 
giving them like the idea that I need to be able to jump at any moment and go shoot that again or shoot this or shoot through a reflection. Yeah, one of the biggest things I'm saying to Jared is stop moving reflection because it's like he'll be behind me around the corner and I can still see him. And that's actually one of the first things we do on a day. It's like once we've got there, we'll go in, we'll clean up, we'll get rid of all the mess, hide all the doormats and then kind of uh, just just let everyone know where we're going to be shooting. And, uh, and yeah, because people basically want their home back as soon as possible. And they usually there's someone at home wanting to chill and I'll just get, I'll get them to go in the most uh, convenient spot for me, which is usually in a, a basement or, or wine cellar. <laughs> yeah, I think to your point, Dave, like being able to see light move through a space or people move through a space, it just, I don't know, and I'm struggling to like kind of articulate what that feels like when you watch the film, but it just gives you a little bit more, I guess, and it, it's a, a bit more honest and you get to, I think, I feel like we try and show what it's like to be in that space a little bit more. And that's not to say that photography can't do that. And photography is obviously still, still super important, you know, if you're talking about marketing for architects, but film, and we're obviously biased because we're, you know, video producers, but it just, I don't know, I feel like it tells a bit more of a story of the space and it's really nice um, to be able to show people. And, it, you know, it's about that suspension of disbelief, right? When you, like when you watch a film, a, a narrative film, you know, you want to be able to feel what it's like to kind of move through that space as we tell the story for an architect of how they've kind of designed and built this uh, and why they've made certain choices. And to be able to show that through film, I think is really powerful. And, and that's why, you know, so many people like watching architecture stuff and the, and the audience is so big is because it's, for whatever reason, it's just really compelling content, I think. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, Jacob, that we're not in control you know, you're talking about the weather, but I'm also interested in the relationship that you have with the architects that you're working with and the dynamic between, you know, the architects sort of having this, these expectations about what shots they think are the good shots and, you know, trying to maybe exert some control over your sort of choices. And sometimes when an architect's working with a photographer, depending on the photographer, it's, you know, that dynamic, that power might shift one way or the other, depending on the, who they're working with. But when you, when it comes to video, is it sort of a different beast where you're, kind of going, oh, look, you might imagine these five perfect shots, but it's not really about that. I'm kind of doing something different or is it sort of a bit of a balance? You take sort of a little bit of guidance from the architects or what's your process or how do you kind of either ignore what they're on about or kind of include them into some of your decision-making? Yeah, it is a bit of both sometimes. It's like sometimes like, uh, and I totally get it because it's like their baby. So they're very nervous and they haven't, may not have worked with us before or done any video. Um, and they come in on the day and they're like, oh, you're going to shoot this, 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 this. And we're just like, yeah, we're, we're pretty very chill in our approach. And we just like, obviously yeah, let them know that we're going to get everything they want and more. Uh, sometimes I have to just tell them, yes, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's chill. And, and they're going to have like these kind of not great ideas, but at the end of the day, it's video. So we're shooting so many shots. It doesn't, it's not going to hurt me to get whatever they want. And then the editor, when they're editing it, if, if that suits the storyline, it's there and it will be used. And if not, there's going to be plenty of other shots. What's actually nice, like my ideal scenario is when we get to a project, we get there in the morning and the architect's there and they give Jared and I a walkthrough. So we actually get to see it through their eyes first. And they're going to point out things that we're not going to see in a million years. Like, and, and they're going to point out process, like, or, or tell us a story about a process or something behind uh, a section of the house. So. That's amazing when they can do that because it's like we're actually getting an insight to what they've done before we even start shooting. And that means we're going to shoot it better because we're actually honing in 
on these areas that that are important to them. When that doesn't happen and they just like, yeah, they're, they're a bit busy and sometimes they just have to roll in for their interview and roll out. Well, we've still got like the rest of the day to get to focus on those key points that they they've highlighted. But yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because it's like sometimes they'll they'll be very like practical with what they're talking about, or sometimes it's a way more top level and like uh, they get very very uh, arty in their explanations. And and like I love that. So yeah, it depends. What they're talking about always changes, but it, once we know what the actual story is, we it's it's easier for us because we can like back that up with the visuals. Yeah. yeah, we ask for like a a pretty high degree of trust, I think, from uh, and I say that, like I spent a lot of time running defense for Jacob and and trying to act as the intermediary, protecting him from the client. And and you know sometimes when they have strong opinions, uh, it's great to take those on board. And other times we just need to say to people, we had this experience last week actually. Our director of a of a pretty large firm uh, was used to working a certain way with photography, and and he was used to having way more control over I guess what we're doing. Whereas the way that we like to work is essentially to be left or whether we're used to working is being left to our devices to kind of go off and and uh and shoot a project we know what we're trying to achieve and we just want to sort of be left alone without being micromanaged because that can really hinder even just in terms of time and we say to people like you know being well briefed we know what we're trying to do here we know what the outcome is that you're trying to achieve with your video just trust us to do our thing we will you know obviously we want to make the project look bad and that extends not only to how we shoot it but the edit that we put together the music selection that we make you know, all the kind of different elements that come together to make a film. I think if you get, the way to get the best result is to uh, engage a good supplier that you, that you do trust and that you can trust and then let them kind of do their thing. I think by all means, give a brief and, and have an idea about what you like or don't like. But the best way to get the best finished product, I think, is to trust your supplier to do what they do well. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, an example of that is like people are usually very picky with their interview frame where where they're sitting, what's in the background. Sometimes like they'll want, like I, I will I will give them a little bit of, a, I will entertain their ideas sometimes within reason. So I'll, if they want to shoot somewhere and I'm like, oh, that's actually a terrible idea. I don't want to shoot backlight into a window because it's just going to be blown out and terrible. So they, they all, to their credit, everyone's listened to me and sometimes I'll give them a, a choice and I'm like this or this and, and, and they're happy with that. So we're always flexible. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I think we're, we're biased, but it's like, oh, if, if, if you just let us do our thing, you're going to get a good result. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, you mentioned earlier this sort of coming to architectural film with a bit of a, you know, no, no real rules, no sort of preconceived notions about how you're going to do it. As film has become more popular and I guess so, sort of more accessible and more people are trying their hand at it, a lot of people who are previously architectural still photographers, I sort of see them going through this evolution where we're setting up the camera and the tripod basically exactly as we would for a normal shoot. Then we're hitting record and waiting for a curtain to blow or something. It's always very kind of, but it's kind of going through this very gradual evolution towards something that's maybe a bit more free and a bit more creative. And and I don't see too many videographers actually completely making that plunge into the deep end of kind of not setting up those perfect sort of immaculate shots. So I'd be interested in your kind of perspective on it coming from it at a different angle. And you mentioned this sort of idea of being very narrative driven from the start. And I guess sort of what that what that what that difference is or just getting in on the subtle sort of difference there, I, I guess, a little bit more. So I think like photographers, yeah, they they're used to taking that frame. And when they when they dip the toe into video, the natural, I guess thought process or reaction is just do the same, as, as you said, do the same thing, chuck a camera on a tripod and, and wait for the curtain to blow or whatever. I don't know if that's lack of like 
experience working with video, lack of equipment. Like we obviously have sliders and drones and gimbals now and all sorts of different things that you can use to uh, move a camera through the space. And I think I've definitely seen photographers that have started off doing exactly what you're talking about and have sort of progressed down the line of moving the camera and, and shooting things, being more creative. We come from like an event video background. So we're used to being very reactive to things that are happening. So we've all, we've never been, I guess, afraid to, to move a camera or put it in interesting positions or yeah. I mean, Jacob's even like developed techniques as we've gone along where, you know, he is, he still uses a tripod, but he uses them really dynamically to almost like imitate like a jib shot. So like a camera rising from low to high or whatever. But yeah, to give photographers credit, like I think you're far better place to be a to shoot video if you've come from a photo background because you know how to frame things and like you can seriously tell those those video people who have a photo background because their shots are so well composed as opposed to someone coming in and just say oh I love shooting video and it's a bit bit of a mess but yeah it's, it's like I think yeah the natural thing for us is just being dynamic with shots because like you want to be able to feel movement but there is sometimes we we do it so often like I go through phases of doing shots that are static shots as well. And they might work in an edit where we do like a sort of bit of a quick sort of cycle through static frames and they've all got different feelings. So there's no bad way to, to shoot things like as in it's important to change and be like uh, receptive to what your actual subject matter is. Like if it's a, if, if we're shooting a, a project, which has got heaps of different textures and stuff and like, like I want to focus that on, on like more of a macro level where I'm getting close-ups of concrete, close-ups of like wood grain, all this sort of stuff. It's like that stuff doesn't need to be like uh, moving much. It's like more like a photo anyway. So yeah, you, you've got to use those things to your advantage, like those techniques when it's suitable. Yeah, I, I guess I bring, bring the question up just because it's sort of also thinking about how architects actually go about the thought process of if I was going to make a film or get a film made, who would I trust or feel comfortable kind of getting to do that and sort of the, there's these kind of f- photographic household names and they're starting to venture into it more than you've got, you know, kind of describing the background you're sort of coming from of events and other things where it's coming at it with a bit of a different approach. And sometimes the industry leans towards people that are, have a very long track record in architecture and that's sometimes seen as a bit of a must-have kind of thing to be able to really understand how to shoot architecture. But so I guess I'm just sort of interested in, you know, maybe there's some advantages to working with somebody who doesn't necessarily have that sort of maybe that that potentially overly practiced way of doing things that might narrow things a little bit. Yeah, I think it's one that like with photography, you know, they often talk about like the eye, right? Or a, a photographer has a certain way of working or way that they process their images or or whatever. And this is not true for everyone, but some of the uh, work for us, you know, I think photographers fall down in some of the technical elements of delivering a compelling video in terms of story and sound and equipment there's so many there's so much more to just actually than just actually capturing that image or that frame of or the video component being able to put it together uh technically well then to be able to tell an interesting story is difficult and that's not to say that i think photograph architectural photographers who are starting to work with video are like it's a fantastic base to from which to build because that they've got the hard part one of the hardest parts is obviously having that eye and being able to see interesting frames but then where they might fall down is i guess some of the ancillary stuff that you need to put together a compelling story and that's where a a video production company much in the same way that you know you could probably shoot some pretty functional stills yeah i could probably take a photo to save myself yeah but you're not an architectural photographer no and i wouldn't know how to edit it 
it's an interesting question though, because it's like, yeah, we were talking about like, you know, bad habits and, and uh, having not been in the architecture world, we don't know, we didn't know necessarily what was good or bad or what you should or shouldn't do. We just kind of looked at a project and went, how can we make this look good? And, and uh, like another, another important point is like the, the shoot is only half of the battle. So once we, we may have shot this awesome project, got great interviews, great light, great shots, everything's gone plan. The, that's only 50%. The next 50% is actually editing that and creating like an awesome film. It's not always easy. So, uh, yeah, that, that we put, it's important to put as much uh, effort into the post-production as it is to production. In terms of that 50%, that post-production, if, if all the elements going in the front end or, you know, the video, the interview, everything is looking pretty perfect, like what's the real risk or what, what can be the challenge in the edit getting getting that part right is it, is it just making it all tie together and be interesting or what's the what's the sort of thing that you're you know looking at all your folders all your assets and going i'm about to start editing this thing what's that sort of fear in the back of your mind that you know what's the challenge going to be i'd say music is like super important because you can like represent the project really well or you can take it down this other avenue where it's actually not reflective of what that mood was and what the project is also it's like you gotta like we shoot we spend probably like at least 45 minutes interviewing an interviewee. Uh, and sometimes there's two of those on a day, sometimes there's three. So you've really got to like choose that that five-minute, six-minute story. Like that, that's so important to actually represent the project. And you can go down the wrong path sometimes where you hone in on things. At, at the end of the day, you want it to be interesting. So we want to hear things that we haven't heard before yeah. and and get this, that architect's, a unique approach. So it's like, it's honing in on those things that are actually interesting to people and things that they haven't seen before. There's been instances where we've thought that a, you know, an edit might go a particular way. But then when you listen to the interview and you go back to the edit suite and you start cutting something together, it's like, oh, where did this gem or this thread of a storyline kind of come from? And it just like, it just like sneaks up on you. And that's why, you know, you sit down and you have a 40 minute interview knowing that you're probably going to create a four to five minute film uh just to have those those options in the edit and see where it takes you and particularly if you're talking to multiple stakeholders so maybe there's a developer involved and then there's an architect or there's a, a homeowner trying to find things that the others can reinforce uh because it, it just adds authenticity and, and honesty because everyone's kind of talking about the same thing and it's like oh yep we did that and then the homeowner reinforces it the end result's great blah blah blah, blah. so yeah just i, I guess just getting the most content to begin with. And then you've got the luxury, I guess, of finding whatever the story is in the edit. And yeah, it's, it's we've, we've, we've been surprised on multiple occasions where things have gone. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, so, something which is funny is like sometimes, uh, we've, and we've kind of learned it, it's kind of like those, it's like on the topic of like honing in or what's important. We have like shot things or been attracted to parts of a house and then spoke to the architect about it during the interview and they've been like, oh no, that's terrible. I'm, I'm embarrassed about that or I don't like how that was executed. <laughs> so we have slowly learned some of those things which architects don't like or aren't important to. And one of the hilarious things is after all these years, I'm like, no one's ever mentioned the pool. Like I'm still, I've spent so long, like pools are so hard to shoot because they've got the glass, like usually the glass, like fences and stuff. And it's just like, we've worked out what what are what is important to architects and some of these faux pas which when we went in quite green we were like so wowed by these these things and then we've worked out oh okay that's no one cares about that 
like we've I've I've spent like half an hour like fixated on a part of the house or something like and I've like loved it and then in the interview they've just like snubbed snubbed it off oh god damn yeah. I guess it just comes back to taste right like uh like a lot things are subjective and and we have our own personal tastes and even like between Jake and I they're, they're different probably we're lucky that we've been exposed to such a huge variety of products right so we've shot Sydney beaches mansions we've shot tiny one-bedroom apartments in the city we've shot multi-million dollar builds where you know they've spent 30 million bucks on this place and it hasn't been as interesting as shooting a tiny you know bondi apartment for example so it's it's interesting in that things that we find interesting to shoot uh come it comes back to like a tasting and what you like personally which yeah we've we shot such a huge variety of projects and you might think that a, a really big mansion might offer like a lot to kind of shoot and focus on but in some cases you find them like the most difficult to shoot right yeah just because they're so big and usually detail is so sparse uh yeah they, they are hard I'd, I'd much rather the the funny thing is it's like we've shot small projects where it's been a uh a shop fit out or a small apartment and what's interesting is if i've got if, if i know i've got a day to shoot a single room i could still shoot that room and still run out of time because i like I'm like shooting macro shots, I'm shooting this, I'm playing around with animation. Yeah. In, in terms of your taste versus the architect's taste versus the public's taste, there's all these sort of different levels that people are at. I'd be interested, you know, seeing so many of your videos up on YouTube, you know, with the local project or with, with your clients reaching hundreds of thousands, millions of viewers. Do you find that more often than not, you're surprised by the projects that become the sort of the viral hits? Or do you generally go in, come out of a project, you've got the final video and you're going, that's like, there's a guaranteed million views there. That's just an absolute banger. Or like, what's, how do you sort of see the way that the public kind of receives the videos that you're creating and, uh, and going out there? It's, you're pretty good at guessing what, what's going what's gonna to go down well? No. No. <laughs> so funny. Uh, the, the public are interesting uh, and our biggest critics. If you, if you have uh, soft skin, do not go to the, the comment section of a YouTube video for something that you have poured your heart and soul into because... You, your tiny creative part will be crushed into a million pieces. And they get personal. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, wow, we've offended that person to their core with that shot selection. No, it is, it's so funny, like stuff that we shoot and yeah, we think we're like, we have absolutely nailed this. This is our magnum opus. We can hang up our hats and safely retire on the greatest architecture film we've ever made. Uh, like might not do that well or might not get as many views. Conversely, things that we've shot me like, oh, that was like, uh, you know, a great project. We've shot it well. It's, it looks good, but like we didn't, didn't love it. And then that, like takes off it's it's so funny and and i think that does yeah it must be a taste thing i don't know why some perform better than others i guess most recently we shot one which we we thought like really good we put a lot of effort into we spent a couple of days shooting this one uh, which is always nice to be able to have that luxury of time and that is that performed quite well but i yeah i couldn't tell you why like one of our original kind of like viral hits if you will it like rained all day and we we're like this is going to be a bit of a nightmare but ended up performing really well and that was i think that kind of taught us to like lean into the the weather thing and just yeah 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 i, I i'm always like saying people it's like one of those questions like those lame questions that people ask photographers is, oh is it better sunny or overcast but i'm like my answer is like i just want an extreme of anything like if it's bad weather i want it extremely bad if it's a dark day i want it very dark if it's sunny i want it like perfectly sunny like my worst nightmare is like just a bright overcast day because like just for me it's, it's just no shadow like i want i want, I want drama 
Yeah. Yeah. I think from like a video point, it's interesting because you can't be all things to all people. And, you know, one of the biggest things that you can do is be reactive, I think, to, to YouTube comments and, and take what people say on board. Like we've got a, a goal or a vision or a way that we uh, do things and we're, you know, we try and stick to that. If you were to listen to every armchair critic on the internet, you would, yeah, it would, what you would put out would be garbage <laughs> essentially because the people that have the loudest uh, opinions you know, they're often not, they're not worth listening to in our experience. If you like what you're hearing so far, please make sure to share this episode with colleagues you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcast or Spotify app? Every review makes it easier for people to find the show and hear what my amazing guests have to say. I also love hearing your questions and I'm planning more listener Q&A episodes. So please send your questions in to questions at vanityprojects.com and I'll answer them on the show. Most people listening, most architects listening to this podcast, they wouldn't have been through the process of making a video before. They would have all done still photography, but they wouldn't have done video. And so I'm sort of interested in maybe the, is there, is there anything noteworthy about the planning process that leads up to a video shoot that, you know, something that Jared, maybe you have to go through with, with architects or with clients that any complexities to that, I suppose from an architect's perspective, what sort of planning do they need to do or how do they need to be involved to kind of get everything perfect for uh, a shoot to happen? Yeah, cool. So when we work with uh, direct clients who come to us and, and they say they want video, one of the questions I always ask them is, what is the outcome that you want to achieve from this video or this piece of content that you want to create? And once we know what that outcome is, it's then about going back and designing content that will achieve that outcome, basically. So is it about creating something, uh, creating assets for use on social media? Uh, is it about, is it a case study that you want to uh, enter into design awards? Is it a you know, case study that you want to have on your website? Are you trying to build trust? Are you trying to create something that's for the start of your sales funnel just to get clicks and, and inquiries? Like what do you want to achieve out of what you're trying to create? And then go backwards and, and get designing the content around that outcome. I always talk to, when we're focusing on like a project feature, which is like a lot of stuff that we do for like the local project, or if we're doing direct client case studies, it's like, what are the key messages that you're trying to get across here? What was special about this project or what was out of the ordinary? What did you have to do? You know, what, if it was, if it's a civic building or a, you know, big commercial building, like what were the stakeholders involved and yeah, yeah. What did you have to do to deliver this project? What makes it special? And just getting like, so I start off with like trying to get like five kind of like key messages. And then we start to think about questions for the interview and asking questions that will elicit answers that speak to those kind of uh, key messages that we're trying to uh, get across. You know, often architects come in and they want, they've, they've written this script where they, they talk eloquently about, you know, what they've done and why they've done it. And, you know, we often joke that we band notes on set, like, oh, cute notes and I'll screw that, you know, and throw them away because we want to have something, <laughs> we want to have something that's really conversational and authentic. And, you know, people like doing business with people that they like. And we're trying to build a connection between the architect and the audience who's watching it, whether that's a potential customer or client or whatever. So we, we, we want the interview to be really conversational. And we sit down and it's like Jacob and I, and, and we spend the first 10 minutes often, unless they're super confident people, like breaking the ice and getting them to be comfortable in front of camera. And then we just ask them sort of questions and, and we have a conversation literally about the project. And again, we know what those key messages that they're trying to get across us. So we've got questions that we know that when we ask these this question, it will give an answer that speaks to that key message. And so what, we have the chat, 
we do the interview and then we kind of go about, I guess, shooting the project. And that's way more Jacob's uh, forte. So I'll spend a lot of time in pre-production trying to understand what they want to achieve, what they want to get out of it so that we make sure it's a worthwhile investment for them. I think people, and it's the truth, it's the same for any client, regardless of what industry you're in. They look at video production as a big, potentially one-off expense. I try and talk to clients about this notion that don't think about it as a, as a one-off thing where you're going to get one video, you're going to get a case study from. I talk to clients a lot about trying to, this notion of trying to build an asset library. So you might do one shoot, we're there all day, we're going to shoot so much content, you're going to be able to create a case study from that. You're going to be able to pull stuff out for reels. You can create little vignettes that are 15, 30, 60 seconds long that speak to a certain point. From this one shoot that might cost you X, you, get, you should be able to create potentially unlimited assets um, to repurpose down the track. And what we really like to do is work long-term with clients and almost become like an integrated partner where we get to know their business, we get to know the way that they communicate with their audience, what their brand values are, what they look like. And the more we work with them, the, the deeper the understanding we get. And then we're able to just create this, this asset library essentially that they can draw on. Some of our clients we've been working with for like seven years. And, you know, we're still able to pull stuff out of the, out of, off the server that we shot, you know, seven years ago and use it in stuff that we're delivering today. The other thing is that if you invest wisely and you spend money in the right places, you know, content, nothing's really evergreen forever, but you should be able to get long-term use out of it. Uh, by spending money with a supplier who, you know, has really high production values and, and delivers a good quality product as opposed to going for the cheapest thing because it stings less upfront. You know, you should be able to get stuff that is going to last you five plus years. Again, we've got a client, uh, we just reshot some campaign stuff for them uh, the other week, but they're still using assets that we created for them like four and a half, five years ago now. So the return on the investment from that shoot for them has been huge. So I think it's important to yeah, not see it as just a one-off expense where you're only going to get one output from it. I think it's really important that they spend the time to work out what they're ultimately trying to say, not just doing video because everyone else is doing it. I also think, like, just to go back to one of those points, Jared, I mentioned at the very start that what we do is people-led storytelling. And like, I'd probably say with ease, 90% of what we do is interview-led uh, stories where it's the cornerstone of the video is an interview or interviews, and then it's like backed up with complimentary footage. So that's why we put like so much importance on our interview component. And because we do it every day, we've, we've literally got it down to a fine art. We know how to like, like 80% of it is like people skills. It's like just being chill to not freak people out and having a conversation. And, uh, and yeah, very like as in our biggest enemy on the day, apart from bad weather, is people with uh, notes they want to read. It uh, it very rarely works. Sometimes we'll let people just want to read their notes. I'm like, all right, cool. You can read that if it makes you feel better. We want people to feel like at ease. And but then we'll still try and have a conversational uh, chat with them. And that's like always where we get the best stuff anyway. And I think often like a lot of people, you know, that this is the first time that they're doing things or they're working with a video supplier. And it's about kind of holding their hand through the process. We and I sometimes forget that you know, people don't do this every day like we do. And it's our job to kind of handhold them through the process. And I think that's why finding a good supplier who you can trust is, is so important because, yeah, they, they can kind of walk through that process and and, and take your hand. And yeah, uh, you're right. Every, a big part of what we do, like you need a very high level of emotional intelligence, I think, to, to do 
what we do well. It's not just about having a good photographic eye and being able to make the project look interesting. You've got to make your interview subjects, whether that's your architect, uh, other stakeholder, the client or whatever, feel comfortable in front of camera to be able to get those performances from people. And yeah, we just want people to have a nice time as well. Like no one wants to walk out of an interview going, oh my God, that was the worst thing I've ever done. I never, ever want to do this again. So you want to make people feel like they've had a good time. And we've worked with, you know, some people that have really struggled and it's been hard work for us to kind of get what we need out of them. But we do it. We do get what we need every time. And, and I think people are often surprised and thankful that like, you know, thanks for making me sound like a coherent human being. I'm like, no worries. It was a struggle, but we got there. No, but yeah, if you can make people feel relaxed and comfortable and walk away from going, oh, that was a good experience. And we got sick video out of it. Um, that's kind of like mission accomplished for us, I think. And yeah, we just want to be in our approach. We're, we're super relaxed. We're trying to be super flexible. We just try and be nice guys, basically. Like, you know, one of our cornerstone kind of like values is just don't be a dick. And that's kind of how we approach working with people and video. Yeah. So from the architect's perspective, if they're thinking about doing a project feature or something like that, it sounds like probably not preparing is probably better <laughs> in terms of, you know, if you're going into the process, like just go into it, it'd be okay, you know, stepping into something you haven't done before, but, you know, you're working with somebody who's, it's probably best that you can kind of work with their process a little bit more, right? Rather than trying to just assume a bunch of things about what you need to say, what you need to get across. Yeah, for sure. And overthinking it's a big one. Like have, definitely have some top level ideas about what's important or yeah, what was special about this or, or what those key messages are that you want to get across. But please don't, uh, you know, no, to no, the nth degree, go through and script your response. <laughs> yeah, because it just, it sounds wooden and yeah, it's, it's so different to like a, a, a written article. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned in terms of the, the very first questions you're asking people, are, you know, what's your, what's sort of objective or goal for this video? What do you want? What do you want to get from it? If, if we're just looking at project features, for example, I can imagine that from architect's perspective, they might be thinking about, well, I want, I want to sort of draw more attention to this particular project. They're thinking about that. And then from me, the marketing perspective, if I'm kind of working with clients, I'm really thinking about the fact that that architect has never been on film before. There's no recording of their voice anywhere. You, can, you can't actually get a feel for their personality at all if you're trying to do, you know, trying to look them up through the internet. You just are looking at pictures of buildings. You're not actually getting a sense of who the person is. So I sort of think about that interview-led video as being an amazing objective, almost more important than the building itself. I finally have compelling video of this architect saying cool things in a cool space, looking good. That's very marketable. But what, do, what, what tends to be the common responses that you get from architects when it comes to what their objectives are? Are they thinking you know, really strategically or about what they think video can do for them? Or do they have just sort of more of a vague kind of, you know, we want to capture the project or document the project or what's, what's the sort of stuff you tend to hear? I think the underlying reason is because they want people to see kind of what they're doing. And it's, a, it's an extension of their marketing mix. And uh, building connection with people and, you know, building a home or a, engaging an architect is such a personal process and experience. And we talk to so many architects and homeowners who will say that, you know, we just, we're such good mates with these guys now. It was such an intense process. We went through, you know, two and a half year journey or whatever. Uh, and we love working with them and we could trust them and their, and their friends. And so I think that, that uh, personal connection and showcasing that is really important for architects and absolutely getting some of that personality across as well. People like working with people that they like and spending, you know, I don't know what the average architect build cost is, but let's say it's, you know, it's over a million dollars. You're spending a lot of money to get, you know, if you're talking about resi to deliver a home that you want, it's a really personal thing. So if you can show through your personality uh, and build connection with the potential customer, 
I think it's really powerful and it's like a, it's a must have, whether that's like a video about us page, a case study, whatever, anything that you can do to separate yourself or yourselves from the pack, I think is important and worth investing in. Yeah. And, and another thing is, it's like, uh, most, you know, like I said, most of the time we're doing these people-led storytelling, interview-based uh, uh, videos. Every now and then people want uh, non-videos uh, without an interview and that can work really well if it's actually like owning that and being creative and got a good soundtrack or whatever. But uh, there's we've done it in the past and it's come from the client that they want this just musical only video and we've felt that it hasn't really conveyed. There is a time and a place for that, for that non-interview video, but we just really love doing these people-led things because you're getting personality, uh, Rationale. seeing it, feeling it. Yeah, is it, yeah we, we do them most of the time and it's like there's a reason why we do them so do this approach to video so often because it just like works. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it comes almost right back to the beginning. We we're talking about kind of the evolu- evolution from stills to kind of very still video sort of thing without without interview, without audio. You see, you see those videos sometimes, and there's a definitely a quality to them, and there's something there, but they just don't seem to really capture your attention very much, and they don't feel like they really attract an audience. And it's that lack of a story, a lack of a character, that sense of personality. They just, it's just, you're right. It's it doesn't actually tell you much about the process, right? You don't, you can see that you can see the thing, you can see the building, but you don't really know like what the why is behind any of the things that have been done there. There's all those different aspects, right? Just, just really quickly in terms of, yeah. you know, project features versus sort of firm profiles or practice profiles, looking at sort of different types there. And I sort of wonder, you know, with the long-term investment of a, a film, you know, if a practice can only afford that five-year investment, I guess there's this sort of thing of, you know, for the sake of getting the most longevity out of a film, like just in general, would it be better to sort of your strategy be, all right, let's sort of maybe, you know, lean this more towards the practice story, the architect story, like make it more of sort of that about page video versus leaning it towards the project where it's that sort of project video, but maybe the relevance of that project has a sort of a shorter lifespan, whereas the relevance of the architect story might be that longer, get more utility out of that video over the longer term. I know it's a bit of a tough question, but I guess if you were thinking of, we have to make a video, we're only going to have one video for the next 10 years for our website. Should we, con- should we concentrate it more on this house or should we concentrate it more on the architect? Yeah, yeah it is true. Yeah. And we have had this uh, challenge before. And what has happened is that we've shot a project which is like most representative mm. of that architect's style what makes it the most difficult is because we want to shoot everything so it's like if you want to represent an architect's style it's probably best to do that over multiple projects uh and then when you're talking about doing that then you're saying oh, all right maybe we need to shoot three projects which is a bit hard sometimes so we have settled for actually using stills uh in these projects where we've made it work, it's not ideal, like in terms of being uh, a purist, uh, purist filmmaking, but we've definitely done that and made it work within the constraints of, of a budget to yeah make a uh, like a brand film for a architect. Yeah, it, it's tricky, but we can definitely do it. Yeah, and whether it's using renders or, or stills, I, I think there's probably more power, yeah, and about us or a brand film for that architect. The challenge then becomes how do you get enough, I guess, content or overlay to, because you can shoot the interviews and hear from multiple partners or associates or whatever, and and I guess get a bit more of understanding of the team or who's involved in uh, the practice. That is really powerful. 
the challenge then for us is how do we get enough content to kind of make that look visually interesting. And yeah, if we can only shoot one project, we'll only shoot one project, we'll shoot some stuff in the office, you know, using renders, stills from projects, whatever we can kind of get our hands on. I think to answer your question in a too long, didn't read way, if you're only going to do one thing, consider the about us kind of like brand film thing. I'll also just go in and uh, contradict that as well. Like if you think you can make that work, that's awesome. But also just having a killer project, which is like a portfolio piece, like the architect is hanging their hat on. I also think that has got like immense like uh, value and power. Like it might have, it it might have more duration and longevity just because it's so bloody good, (laughs) you know, that, but yeah, that's that's yeah. the thing. It might just be so good that it just gets such a such a larger audience, or it just moves people so much more than that practice film where it's camera set up in the in the office in the co working space. It can be maybe tough for you guys to make that to compete with a two million dollar house or a cool Bondi apartment. Like there's just a certain maybe pull to that sort of more project stuff. Yeah, and, and then this also goes back to where you're putting it. Like if you're if this is just going on your website, you've your website videos are essentially you're dealing with a captive audience. They've come to your website uh, by choice and they want to learn about you. So that's when this About Us video is like uh, going to be really yeah, uh, suitable. Yeah. If you want something that's like got this chance of going uh, viral views. and yeah. being, being people looking at for actual entertainment, then you should be doing a project feature yeah. and putting it on YouTube and doing that sort of stuff because then it's got more potential to be seen by people. Yeah, which comes back to, I guess, what what are you trying to achieve or what do you need? So it's like, do does your brand and your designs need more attention from the, do you need more eyeballs and brand awareness or do you already have that and you, you're you having trouble actually establishing trust, building a relationship? So that's where it kind of shifts whatever your priorities are or what you're going to focus on. Just, yeah. just in terms of distribution a little bit, you know, I always get this question from architects. It's one of the first things you've sort of mentioning a couple of times, where do, you, where do you put this or where does it go? And I think, you know, as soon as you talk about video, the first question anyone has is uh, like, oh, so do we, do we set up our own YouTube account or something? Like there's always this sort of, do we create a YouTube account? It's kind of like, well, kind of not really, right? But, but it does raise this kind of question of, obviously, if you're, if, if an architect is working with you guys and maybe the local project or something, you've got this YouTube channel that is this enormous platform and your, your opportunity to put your video out there and have it you know, go viral or take off is a thousand times higher than if you don't have any existing video content, you're just coming out there dropping the sickest video ever to zero subscribers on YouTube. It's like, <laughs> what, are your, what are your chances? I guess, and how do you deal yeah. with the situation? So I think, I think you should absolutely start your own YouTube channel. Uh, if you, it's free, uh, you know, you can put a bunch of keywords in there. Uh, you can write a, you know, your rationale and, and there's more keywords in that there. If you convert one client from seeing that and you've got, it's on the internet, you know, potentially forever and it's worldwide. If you, and it, yeah, it costs you nothing to do. So you should absolutely do your own YouTube uh, channel just to, just to, Put your content there, even if it only trickles over a couple hundred views a year or whatever it is. Uh, you only need one person to get in touch, and that's been a successful, I guess, kind of outcome. The other thing I think you need to do is look at your marketing mix and speak to someone like you and see, uh, you know, where is the best place to put this stuff? Are we better off doing paid social ads? So we're going to have a project video that's going to live on our website, but then from that project feature that we've shot, uh, we're going to create a bunch of different assets and split test, you know, what's working, what's actually converting. You know, we, we work with some volume builder clients uh, and they are constantly testing what ads are working. And it's about 
maybe it's a slight tweak with copy uh, and, and, you know, who knows what's in the video, but testing a few different things and working out what your marketing mix looks like and where you want to put the effort into what channels. Yeah. So whether it's paid ads, whether it's working with a media platform like the local project or someone else submitting your videos to other kind of aggregator publications that are showcasing video, whatever's uh, kind of out there. There's, there's so many options. I think the important thing is just to um, start somewhere and, and create something. Um, and then, yeah, you really need to, I think, speak to a, a marketing expert yeah, like yourself that kind of like, so we can create really good content. We can definitely give you ideas about what, what we think works and what, where we've seen success doing that sort of stuff. But you're better off, I think, speaking to a, a marketing expert who can help get those um, videos or those assets in front of the the right eyeballs, basically. You know? Yeah, but that makes but that but that if gives a, that gives people a clear idea of you know the the your video production company isn't responsible for um actually sorting out how you're going to actually promote the video once it's made, right? So obviously you're on the content side, but they're on the distribution. That's that's their job, and they've got to sort yeah. that out. If a practice was going to go about establishing you know a YouTube channel and they wanted to do they they found success with their first video and they wanted to now think, well, what's next? What's our, what's our sort of next steps from here? And I imagine that'd be a pretty challenging situation to be in. But quite often I get this idea gets raised in the industry of, you know, okay, it's cool to do a project feature of a finished thing, but what if we were to start at the very beginning of a project and sort of take the more grand designs model and follow along with it in a sort of episodic uh, kind of thing? Does the model work? Like, have you guys thought about it? Have companies ever approached you about that sort of thing? Yeah, it's so interesting. And often it's like, you know, bespoke builders will come to you uh, wanting to showcase the whole journey. And you're right. My question, I guess, would be, if you did all that, is the finished product going to be any more effective than just shooting a complete project? Do people care? So bespoke builders in particular, like they love what they do, right? They're all about detail and they want to show the slab pour and they're like, look, we're, you know, this is, this is what we do and we're so passionate about it. Does a, the end client or homeowner care about that some of them probably do do the vast majority of people no they just want the great finished product you know and i say that having shot for builders and we, we have shown some of the process and it is exciting and it does serve a purpose but if you are if you're limited in terms of budget and what you can spend i think you're probably better off putting your energy into showcasing the finished product and then talking about some of that process or how and why you've done things i think this idea of showcasing the whole journey in my opinion, is probably like not needed or yeah. as effective as just showing the, the finished product. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, as in, like, I think it's very different things. It's like the grand designs model is is about the struggle yeah. and the process and it does that like extremely well and it's so interesting. I don't think every project is that interesting. Yeah. It's like if you're just building a thing in a suburban street and there's a couple of cranes or a concrete truck like is in like, who cares? Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, talking about the narrative-driven aspect of it, and you're sort of saying the cement truck and the cranes. It's there's not there's not an interesting story. Most builds are not that interesting. You know, if you look at grand designs and they're thinking the producers are looking at what what projects are going to be on the show. It, you're right. It's the struggle. It's like the family want twice as much house as they can afford. They want it done in three months. They're about to have <laughs> every. They've <time>. just <laughs> found out they're about to have triplets, and you know, winter's coming. And there's always <laughs> kind of like. <laughs> There's always that's the that's yeah. what's on paper, and they go, oh, that's going to be fantastic. They're going to be screaming at each other, and you know, give it a couple of months. But you're right; most projects are not going to have that kind of sense of 
a really interesting story and that sort of thing. It might be a somewhat interesting process, but probably not, right? So, so long story short, probably yeah. better for people to just really focus their energy and their resources on the on the finished thing to get the most impact out of it. We're, we're getting close to time, but I am really interested in probably this quite important area, which is brand partnership and funding the production of videos and, and sort of you know, pooling money together with people that are involved in the projects to actually make the financial side of the, the cost of my, or the investment of making uh, a really, really good project feature actually work out and how the numbers kind of work out there. So Jared, just, just interested in terms of, I guess, I guess some people won't even necessarily be aware that that's sometimes how these videos get put together, right? That the, it's not just because the architect might be the one sitting in front of the camera. There's actually other people often, other people involved that are contributing money towards that video. So I guess maybe just give us a little bit of a run through of how that kind of works and, and how you sort of break that down with architects when you're speaking to them. Sure. Well, I think if you can get, bring some partners on board, whether that's a brand partner or, you know, obviously like the simplest way to look at it is if you're, let's say a developer and there's like a builder involved, the architect and then the actual developer trying to flog, uh, say an apartment or whatever. You're creating content that can be, even if the story is essentially the same, you can make small tweaks to the final outcome that uh, either heroes one party more than the other or vice versa. So you might go, shoot the project, do the interviews, and then you can create sort of three separate outputs for not much more money than if you're just doing one output. Conversely, you know, also just create one output, but make sure everyone kind of gets an even sort of spread. And then whether it's through like brand association or say one of the partners has a bigger following than you by going on their platform as well as yours, you know, you're just exposing uh, yourself and that video to more eyeballs. So it's never a bad thing, I think, to get some brand partners. And that can be like... Uh, a services business. It could be the timber flooring guy that helped you out. It could be Dulux or, you know, a big, big brand, potentially Laminex, whoever's kind of involved. And I think particularly if you do deal with some of those larger suppliers that have got a, you know, marketing spend that they can, they can afford, there's absolutely no drama or harm in approaching them and saying, Hey, we're looking at doing this video. I think it's going to be great. It's going to showcase the product, blah, blah, blah. There's an opportunity for you to get some messaging in there if you like. And you can you can do that kind of like soft sell thing in a way that doesn't feel overtly salesy. So it's still, you know, a project feature that can just live on an architect's website. It's just been supported by brands that you associate with anyway. And often homeowners or clients, uh, I'm just focusing on Resi, uh, will see that brand association and go, oh, this architect works with a big brand, a, you know, European appliance, or they work with the, this big paint manufacturer, or I know Colorbond, you know, I've seen the ads on the tally or whatever. So you just get that brand association thing going and it just elevates kind of everyone's, yeah, I guess, in, importance and, and makes it feel like there's a bit of substance there and like, okay, these guys, are they must be good at what they're doing because they're associating with, with these brands. But just from a funding point of view, yeah, I, I, if you can get some of those brand partners on board just to help uh, spread the cost, everyone kind of wins. And we've done this for not only Resi projects, but like big civic, you know, projects where there's been a, a project manager, uh, an architect and a, and a ASX listed builder. So yeah, there's, there's so many options and, and you shouldn't be afraid to kind of start having some conversations with other brands about how you can form partnerships to create content that then can live on, on your own individual channels. And it's so easy just to uh, change out graphics, for example. Yeah. That, yeah, it's, it's definitely something people should consider. Yeah, because I think sometimes the worry that people have with it or, or architects might have is that 
you know, you're watching the video and it's going great. Then three quarters in, you know, you get to the part where it's kind of, and that's when I was truly inspired by the latest model of dishwasher and all its unique features and sort of stuff. Or is it just getting it right in the first place in terms of making sure that the product we're making, we are finding that right level where the brand that's supporting it feels happy and the architect feels happy with how they're being shown as well. Yeah. So I think when you're thinking about uh, content for people to consume, you want to get the mix of project feature and then add right. We always go for the soft sell and try and be subtle about it. So, and sometimes there's a bit of push and pull between uh, the brand partner who's sometimes paying for it and the architect who's wanting to showcase what yeah. they do. And finding that balance is just a bit of back and forth and you got to do the dance there. And sometimes, yeah, it, you know, brands in particular, I think they, they want to be heavy handed. We had a few instances where we've sort of had to, tr- we've tried to talk brands out of going in too ham, yeah. too hard, too soon. And it's, you know, we just think it's more effective. And, and you'll see on, if you go uh, on YouTube enough and you go through the comments, people will call you yeah. out if you get the balance wrong pretty quickly. And they're happy to do that. So yeah, whether it's, it's so it is uh, about finding that balance. I think if you, the easiest way is, is if you, and we have done this where we've created separate cuts. So everyone's put in, say they paid for a third each or whatever, or maybe, you know, the architects paid for a third and the brands paid for two thirds or whatever it is. You deliver a cut, Cut A for one person that speaks to what they do and cut B for the brand that's a bit more brandy. There's obviously a higher cost associated with doing that, but you're talking about 10%, say, more to do those two cuts. The, the, the bulk of the cost uh, is in shooting it and getting the main edit done. And if you're just talking about tweaking graphics or adding a few more lines about being inspired by the latest dishwasher, I think that's a wonderful, I've almost heard that verbatim uh, on set, is a, is a great, you know, is something that you can do that will satisfy both parties. For not that much more spend. You know, I think if you're an architect and you're talking to a brand partner about that, you just got to have the discussion with them and see, you know, what they're comfortable with, what you can get away with and, and how much they want. I mean, the reality is if, if they're offering to give you 80% of the cost of the video. You might be happy to, can yeah, you, just live with yeah, it. Yeah, can yeah, you say absolutely. no to them? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or maybe that's where that second cut comes yeah, from. Yeah. Um, trying to sort of imagine going through the steps, you know, with one of my clients or an arch- just any architect, is it, is it, should it be a matter of approaching you guys first and sort of saying, okay, this is what we've got in mind for this video. This is what we want to achieve. And then they go off and sort of liaise with all their different brand partners and think about who they can get, you know, once they've got an idea of what, what the project is going to cost. Or is it sort of a, you know, start that conversation maybe first with those brand partners before they even, just to confirm that there's some interest there before they kind of even get in touch with you guys. I mean, what's the sort of the best way to do it? In your eyes? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think it's a good idea to have an understanding about, we'll know what you want to create as, as the architect and have an understanding about the cost implications of that are going to be so that you can kind of go into these meetings or interactions kind of armed going, hey, look, it's going to cost X. Can you chip in X and we'll, you know, both get a great outcome? Or you can go to your brand partner and say, oh, you know, we're, and maybe you're thinking about it while the project's being built and you're going, okay, well, they've supplied that. We really enjoyed working together. It's been a great sort of process with, with this is going to be a great project. We want to potentially shoot it at the end. How do you feel about uh, creating a you know, piece of marketing or a project feature video at the end of it? And, you know, we'll go harpies or go thirds or whatever the kind of thing is. I don't think there's a bad way to do it. Hopefully, once you've had that conversation the first time and it goes well, it's easy to have those subsequent conversations. But at least if you know, if you speak to someone like us or a, a supplier and you know what it's going to cost, you can go into those conversations at least armed with a bit of an idea about what everyone's going to be up for awesome guys we're totally out of time but thank you so much for coming on and answering 
lots and lots of questions about your process and what you guys do. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. I hope, I hope it was helpful. I feel like we just like spoke about nothing for a long time, but hopefully it was interesting. No, it always feels that way. But <laughs> yeah. thanks, guys. You did. It was great. That was my conversation with Jared and Jacob from Cheer Squad Film Co. If you'd like to learn more about Cheer Squad, you can visit cheersquad.com or follow them on Instagram at cheersquadfilmco. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.